0: Welcome to Archive Treasures, where we delve into the collection of the Trentham and Districts Historical Society to see what treasures we can discover. Each episode of Archive Treasures, we will be speaking to a member from the Historical Society. They will be telling us about something special, an object that has been preserved as part of the archival collection, an interesting event that occurred, or a project that the Society is undertaking. Archive Treasures is produced on Jaja Country. We acknowledge and pay respects to the traditional owners, and we would also like to extend our respects to their elders, both past and present. In 2010, Richard and Trish Ryan created recordings of local identities that they had met at the Pig and Whistle in East Trentham. These recordings came to be known as The Pigtails. In the first of these, on the 27th of August, Richard is speaking with Bill Hickey and Pat Walsh.
1: what i'll do first of all is say it's the 27th of august 2010 i've got with me bill hickey and pat walsh um can i ask you both first of all how old you are if you know not i'm telling us that pat
2: yeah i'm 69 You're i'll nine. be 70 in february i'll be 70 on the 8th of april
1: now you've both lived here all your lives i gather
2: yep uh, along with their parents they
3: lived yeah, together just right. give
1: us a little bit of background on that pat just how far back you and your family
2: go ah uh, well uh, Dad really came from Tilden and he bought the place up here uh, where Paul and Jenny is now mm-hmm. and built a house there. And around when? 38, mm-hmm. 39. He bought the farm and then right. he built a house on it. Right. As I said, it cost him 500 pounds, which I suppose was a lot of money in them days. Mm. Um, and yeah, we had it right up until 89, <laughs> 2000, when we sold it and uh, he got killed in 1941. So uh, mum sort of carried on from there, really? yeah. In the war? Uh, yeah, right yeah. through, yeah. yeah,
1: No, I mean he died
2: in the war? No, 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 he was killed on a horse. Oh. Um, While it happened, my brother was in hospital with appendicitis. Of course, they had no cars in them days. Oh. Uh, there was only about one car in the district, which was Beattie's way down in Beatty's Lane. Mm. And uh, so he was going down to get the car because they, he was pretty crook and they said, you better get in here. And the uh, horse put his foot down a rabbit bar and mm. fell and then rolled on him. Mm. And uh, yeah, I was not well. I, I wasn't one when that happened. Yeah. Mm. So never really
3: knew him. No, no. Ah, he ah. crawled. He dragged himself over two hundred metres to a gateway and was mm. fortunate enough that before dark somebody went out to feed the dogs and heard him singing out
2: on the other in another paddock and went to him and. Mm. He lived a couple of days, but not yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, uh, yeah and, and yeah that's about our life history around the How many you, your family? Two. Two. My
3: recruits came to Chanters Lane in 1902. Um, there was enough area cleared at that stage to run two horses and a house cow. Um, and they've cleared the rest since. Um, on the property where we are now is the original house still. I don't know whether I'm a slack ass for not building a, a better one or right. using resources available, but Tom Walsh says, don't fix what's not broke, so I'm still there. Um, and uh, there was a sawmill just below the dairy, where the dairy is now. Um, and uh, yeah, well, they sort of found there, they weren't sawmillers, but they, the property was cleared by people burning charcoal and cutting billets and slabs for the for their mines. And uh, most of that either went to East Trentham Station, uh, Fernhill Station or Trentham Station, or, or to... To Wallace Foundry,
0: and your family. You were... My
3: family, uh, my my father has a brother and two sisters, and they sort of were there, born there, and the the, the roads to the outside was impassable. And uh, my father went to school two days at Ashburn and uh, two days two days at Chandler's Lane and and three days at what they call Little London, which is out uh, off Gibbs Access. Right. Yep. And uh, I think the same teacher taught at both schools. That's if he went to school. So as yeah. a matter of fact, I think it's, he might have went two days and his sister went three days or and vice versa the next week. Right. Um, not very well educated, but was, had a beautiful hand to write a letter.
1: Yeah. And your generation, you had brothers and sisters?
3: Uh, I have uh, a brother and one sister right. alive. There was two babes that died as infants.
1: Right. OK, so obviously you've both been here a long time and what... Well, one of the things we're trying to get at through this process is some of the stories about the place, and I've already heard quite a few humorous stories <laughs> um, from various people. But let's go back at your earliest memories of this place, of the Pig and Whistle. I remember you telling me once you rode past on your way to school and it was being yeah, we, or changed.
2: We used to um, go to school just down here, East Trentham. When they were well, they were, they were rebuilding brick and it was weatherboard, before and they were bricking it and there was an old bloke up the back there he had a horse and dray and he was carting the rubbish away but uh but anyhow about two o'clock it was terrible hot weather it must have been because they would have to come into the bar then no more work going on and uh, this old horse well i knew it and i'd be riding the bike across there and the old horse would look up and see me and he'd come over and i'd chuck the bike in the back and take (laughs) the horse and dray home and unyog it and then they'd come up and get it next morning and come down here and the next day the same procedure would happen. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't waiting all day, standing there, <laughs> waiting for these fellas to come out. But, yeah, that's about the earliest, yeah. So you would have been oh. how old? Oh, probably 10 or
1: something like that, yeah. So, and when you started actually coming here as a, a patron?
2: Oh, I don't know, 17 or 18. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, behind the bar here for a little while. Casual, you know, just now and again. Yeah. Um, but that was later in life. Right. Um, yeah, and then you get married and that buggers up all that system. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and Bill, what about you? When were you well, just
2: before
3: I get on with that, you must remember there was an old bloke in in Twendip called Chris Ryan. He was talking about one thing and another at one stage and he said, half the bloody lies you hear around here are not true, so you can have a bit of that at the same time, <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah, well, I went to school. I was started school, I suppose, six months before Paddy. Um, and I started as Leo left, I think. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's his elder brother left. So that's... Um, my school t- uh, days were from, I suppose, five and a half to 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. And the, I had to go back for the next part of the year, but all I'd done was split bloody wood. Yeah, so that was it. Um, the education system was... Pretty good when you think of the women Whoa. that give up give up their lives to teach us for very little remuneration, and uh, but they had a bloody battle with us too. Mm. Uh, particularly this fella here he was a rebel all the time. Oh, days. I
2: was perfect in every way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boys and girls together. Yeah yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. And when we were going to school, there was about forty-five kids, mm. and uh, you, you you wouldn't get enough to fill a taxi now. I don't mm. think hardly around. Mm. And
1: where was the school? Down Just down here at the, the church. church. The church. Yeah. Mm. I
3: have a photo of it at home if you wish to ever see it, yeah. Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah. I
3: liked it. Mm. So we had uh, the nuns taught us all the time and they used to come to from Trenton by car, whoever bought them. Betty the Wire drove them at one stage and Bill Maine drove them at other stages. I don't know whether they ever got paid or not. But it was uh, a yeah, yeah, pretty that's... good effort.
1: Mm. And your beginning of frequenting the pig and whistle?
3: Um, I didn't drink or... We, as a matter of fact, when we were coming, kids coming home from school, because we went off in different directions, the publican always used to provide us with a, a bottle of soft drink of some sort or another and we'd drink it over there under the store at McGrath's. And then as we got a bit older, we decided to go rabbit and we started from here and we decided to start smoking. And the bloke called Roy Cummins was the publican here at the time. We'd come for a packet of cigarettes and he said, ''Oh, I don't bother with those things.'' So he didn't charge us, but he gave us a packet of big cigars. <laughs> <laughs> so off four blokes went with four big cigars, ferritin. And uh, we lit up the cigars and were eating bloody jam and sausage sandwiches and drinking the water out of the creek. And uh, by three o'clock in the afternoon, we were flat out to get home because we'd... <laughs> Lit them up and put them out a few times and apparently they get stronger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've never <Yeah>. smoked since. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's yeah. another story. Yeah.
2: Rails used to live up on top of the hill here, Peter Rale. We were up there one day and yep. same thing, we taken on this smoke and so we got their miniature cigars. Till we are walking off. So we are kings walking around sucking on these things till the same thing about early afternoon and oh, bloody hell. So <laughs> Peter's father used to come in and get a... Bit of chaff to milk the cow. And we we're in the shed up there, see? And laying around and groaning and moaning. And uh, Jerry opened the door and he looked in, and I can remember him saying, Well, I've heard of little green men. Now I've seen them, and he shut the door very gently and walked off. <laughs>
1: yeah, so
3: I think that was the smoking days. <laughs> early on, you
1: weren't much of a drinker,
3: early on. No, no, very poor drinker. I- Didn't drink well. I don't drink much now, and it doesn't do me the world of good if I do. Um, um, No, I don't. I didn't drink much, um, and still don't. Um, But but enjoy the company more so than the yeah, yeah yeah enjoy the the camaraderie more than the. Well, that's what a lot of blokes used to just come and sit. This was the focal centre for business at one stage when the potato industry was strong. There was nothing to see. Ten or fifteen trucks out the road on in front of on the road here in front of the place at, at, on Friday night
2: to go to Brisbane or Sydney. Mm, yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, there was one night, oh, I think there was, can't remember now, but there was eighteen or twenty eight trucks. They were lined up both sides of the road here, way down. The road uh, on Friday night. I know I was working for Jerry Clark. He was a spud buyer at the time. Uh, we loaded fourteen, and there was uh, who else was Jimmy the Rat. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy <laughs> Maloney. <laughs> Jimmy Maloney. Uh, Tom O'Hare. Yeah.
3: Lionel Hockley. Uh, Chris O'Connell.
2: Yeah, Chris was buying a few. Oh, it was a bit before Hockley's time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyhow, they all loaded three or four and they all finished up here and they'd have a few... Arguments. Yeah, yeah a few arguments <laughs> and <laughs> whatever you, and then they'd all head off. Yeah. Um, but now you wouldn't... When I mean, you can't all the spuds away in a wheelbarrow.
1: Um, I heard and you were telling me a bit earlier about the um, drinking out of hours. Yeah, that was a great
2: thing here. As I say, they brought in 10 o'clock clothes and they buggered the taste of beer. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they just walk around the corner into the snake pit. And they're all getting raided and and flying gang had come through. There was never any room to sit down, you had to stand up. I know, you was your standing room. There so many people in there that you had to stand sleep. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that uh, he had the brother-in-law and he used to travel the world for speedo. This is before he married my wife's sister and I used to be up there Christmas time with the uh, in-laws telling yarns that happened here and, and you know, he called in here one time and I saw him get in, have a couple of beers before tea. So we come down and it was just a dead night. There was nothing going on at all. And he said, well, Walt, you mongrel. He said, you've been telling me lies for years. I said, no, no, no. So when, he, uh, when they got married on their honeymoon, he called in. So it's the same procedure. We got in there for a couple of beers before uh, tea. And uh, I think it was 2 o'clock we had the tea. But anyhow, uh, Irene said, uh, them pair must have had an accident. Nancy said, the only accident they've had is a good night at the pig. We're going to bed and bugger them. <laughs> 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 uh, but he couldn't get over it. Like... Blokes would be there, arguing the point over football. Right in the middle of the floor, arguing, almost ready to punch one another in the nose. Oh, who's shout? No, oh, you'll shout. Oh, righto. so you go away and you'd be getting the beer and they, that wasn't a bad day, was it? You know, just talk normal and they'd come back and they had two mouthfuls and they'd take off in the same tone of ice as they did about five minutes ago. The
1: story you were telling me earlier about, was it the O'Connors?
2: Oh, yeah, Bernie and Corrie and, yeah, 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 they... Uh, uh, couldn't miss out on a, uh, I think was it two pound or four pound catch, when you got fined in, oh, in yeah, after yeah, hours, yeah. and you got your name in the paper, but that cost you nothing. Um, anyhow, they were here one night and and they were bringing them everybody out here in the passage. Anyhow, they bought Corrie, which was Tom. They all had nicknames. All by burning. Anyhow, of course he was burning. Oh, that's right, yeah. And uh, anyhow. Got him, and then after another three or four they interviewed, they get Bernie out. What's your name, O'Connor? Oh, he said, we've got you. Indeed you haven't. It's Bernard Francis. <laughs> and and uh, when they had a raid here, there
3: was an old bloke called George Maloney that... Um, he, he was caught in every raid. They were that used to having him there, but he used to go down in the kitchen and make the cops a cup of tea. <laughs> so he'd become the boots. He never got his name in the paper. <laughs> no, that's right, yeah. We took ponies to the cricket at one stage, one New Year's Day. And he couldn't understand to walk when the lights were green. We had to go back and get him and bring him across the street <laughs> when the lights were green. Yeah, he'd bloody, never been
2: out of East Trenton. They
3: bloody wonderful people. They, they were the, the, oh, yeah. Yeah. the, the um, salt of the earth as far as uh, uh, helping you or doing anything yeah. for you, watching things that mm. yeah. needed watching you. They were Connors?
1: O'Connors. O'Connors. Okay. O'Connors, yeah.
3: There was, uh, I think, fourteen or fifteen in the family, and only one ever married.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm. Mm.
3: And as a matter of fact, the the photo out on the of the Blues team out there on the wall, which I can mm. see from here, um, has uh, two two, two of the mm. two of the um, O'Connor brothers, two of the McMenamin brothers, Greg O'Connell in it, and. Um, they were the Victorian champions at one stage. That particular team was the Victorian champions at the the tug of
2: war, which was a big thing in those times. And yeah, they used to practise pulling a plough or put a sapling between two trees and try and pull around till it broke. It was a big thing in those days. It
3: started a lot of fights, but that was not uncommon either.
2: Uh, a lot of arguments, yeah.
3: Now, the other
1: family that Billy mentioned to me yesterday was the Ricardis, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know yeah. stories about them?
3: Well, they were... at our neighbours for forever. My father grew up with the Ricardis, and uh, lived down, they lived down where, where um, Greg Carnevale lives now on first house on the right on Ashbourne Road. That's where their home place was. Mrs Riccardi used to be a, a charcoal, I suppose, contractor with all of the Italians that were around. Of course, she was the only one that could speak English and Italian as well. So she was the focal point for all the the itinerant workers that were about burning charcoal. Um, then they um, they dominated the pub if they happened to be here. That you could <laughs> get a lot of fun out of them. Um, and uh, I rem- remember some great stories about Joe Riccardi. He sort of always felt as though he was king, but he used to make little blunders and pick, people would pick him up and of course run with it and make it worse. He'd stay here some nights until stumps, as we used to call it. And I was down to his place the next day, and he had a terrible hangover. <laughs> he said to the housekeeper when he, he wouldn't have any breakfast, he just had a glass of milk. And then he picked up the glass like that. He said to Nancy, dry that old bitch off, Nancy. This milk is salty.
2: <laughs> it wasn't the fault of the cow, it was the fault of the mouth. <laughs> Another night, Joe, great a ball man, he used to get these ball bours Anyhow, there was a mob here one night and Joe had just been to Trentham and got them and of course pulled up here. Somebody found out that he had them out in ute, so they went out and got them. Anyhow, they cooked them up down here and they're chewing on them. And, and uh, this is where this, the language starts to come in. Um, he's out there and he's tearing these ball bours in and Hockley was the public at the time. Oh, like Christ, Hockley, he said, these are good bore boys." He said, you're a great man to put these on for us fellas. Oh, Hockley said, oh, that's all right, Joe. And uh, anyhow, <laughs> the next day he comes back up and he said, you know what? He said, while I was in here last some, last night, he said, somebody else had come along and pinched me bloody bore boys." And he never woke up that he was eating them. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> there. But uh, it was all in good fun, I suppose. Yeah, they'd be fighting here one minute, arguing the point one minute, and one bloke would get into trouble, and the other bloke he was arguing with was the first man on his doorstep to help him.
3: Yeah. They, they, were, they were fighting here one night, and, and um, they, you could hear them out over the top of the other people. that roar when they got a bit stirred up. <laughs> Chris O'Connell said, ''Let them go, then let them kill each other. They're bringing out another bloody boatload of them next week.''
1: <laughs> this is, we're talking post-war... Um, Post war, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. what about the stories about, which I've heard referred to about people, the the spud diggers in the snow and so on, there was one about...
3: Oh yeah, I, I can tell you that. When we were going to school, my sister and brother and I, my sister said, oh, there's a man dead on the side of the road. So we went back and had a look at him, see if he was dead. Anyway, he's, we w- woke him up while the three of us were there, so he got up, gave himself a shake, had a sip out of a, a wine bottle and walked off. That was Harry Lynch, a fellow called Harry Lynch. And uh, they'd drink anything. When he yeah. came to... He used to dig for us early in the piece, and my mother was from Melbourne and not very used to these sort of itinerant diggers and he used to say that he, uh, he wanted methylated spirits to rub on the, on the saw patches, you know. Because he wasn't rubbing on the salt patch, he was drinking she, she woke for a while. And he was working for Jack Kay's at one stage. They used to brand bags with rosine, which was the stove, the dye they used to brand the bags with. And he, he he's knocked off a bottle of rosine because it was in a wine bottle always. And uh, he uh, had a bit of a sip out of it and it was no good. So as he was walking up the road, he tipped it on the road. Left <laughs> the, the truck Yeah. In the shower rain, it all run down the road. There would die everywhere. <laughs> Poor old Jim Haley was riding the bike up to the mill and he'd he seen the stuff on the road, the red stuff. He'd come in here, he said, like, I swear to God, this has been a terrible murder.
2: This <laughs> 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 bloody old Lynch with his rosine. <laughs> uh, he used to be cut. we uh, be cutting slabs and all that and they cut them down. And there's a bloke up the back here and he used to... And he'd be coming down the road and... Oh, they'd run out, the women'd run out. Oh, can you bring the store at Fern Hill, see? Can you bring back a pound of yeah. butter or a loaf of bread or something? Anyway, he got sick of this. So he, he pulled the floor out of the dray. He never had no floor in Oh, I can't bring it back, so i I've got nowhere to put it. No floor. He, he said, it's lighter on the horse with no floor in the in the dray. But he didn't want to be going shopping. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there was a lot of characters.
1: So the spot Huts, <laughs> of which there are still numerous. Still
2: a few, yeah, yep. Well let, every farm had one mm. originally and um, the regular blokes used to come back on a regular basis you know they'd go to other places that was digging before here and then they'd finish up here. Mm. Um, one story is Jackie Rogers was a, a uh, bloke that was here and he got crook and Nell took him in here and put him in the room and nursed him back to health and whatever you and anyhow he wasn't supposed to be drinking. so. <laughs> Anyhow, on the Saturday morning he went to, to Trenton with Lionel and they got a bit of beer into them. And they're out there, and I was out there behind the bar and they come back and Nell come in, seeing his Jackie a bit wobbly. And she into him, she's calling him, you know, Jack, you're not supposed to be drinking. And he, she's roaring hell out of him. And what do you got to say for yourself? And he just looked at her and he said, well, Nell, I think you'd have a row in an empty house. That's
3: all the satisfaction she got out of it. But in in those little huts that (coughs) you see around now, it was not uncommon for ten blokes to be Mm -hmm. camping in those, and however they didn't kill each other, I don't know. Mm. I do remember down at at Riccardi's at one stage, there was uh, Scotty, I don't know what his other name was, Scotty and uh, Roy James. And the hut they were living in down there was... uh, where the pigs used to sleep, and it was an old, Evans's old house in actual fact. And they broke a flag and a bit of wine on the floor. And there's all this, they virtually had a dirt floor in it. And Bill Riccardi and myself went up to see if what the noise was, because they thought they were killing each other. But they were licking the port <laughs> off the floor. They weren't going to waste Black face, uh, muddy faces, just from, but they weren't going to waste it. <laughs> they drank her out of the puddles and licked it off the floor. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Uh, and they're all fairly healthy
3: they had to be healthy one of the interesting ones was Martin DeWire, who was a real character of a bloke lived over in the Trenton Road and Lionel Hockley had greyhounds and uh, Martin had a guy over there that died in the in the hut so he came across to Hockley and he said do you want a bullock for your dogs oh yeah Hockley's right on the job, so over he goes with the knife and everything ready to skin the Bullock and bring it home, but not till he got there did he find the bloke that was in the hut was Jack Bullock.
2: (laughs) And that's that's the sort of things that used to happen.
1: So mostly they were timber, weren't they, the huts?
2: Yeah, yeah. Tommy Waltz was the only man that built brick huts because they burnt one down on him. I think they burnt them all down.
3: When
1: the wood
2: wood supply got, got
3: light on they'd pull the boards off the wall and burn them on the fire yeah
2: I've seen the big one uh, but now all the rest were either the or wood yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm.
3: Frank Benning commonly known around here as Curly and his hut still up at Robert Hargraves he would have taken the record for new bikes I reckon from Mulvaney Star everywhere he went to shift it away to go and dig somewhere else he'd have a new bike and he'd take it and leave it on the train. He'd get a few drinks on the train, leave the bike behind. Then when he came come back, it'd be this, exactly the same story. Still still a new bike. Always
2: bought a new bike, never bought a second-hand one.
3: I reckon he would have had, I reckon, uh, 60 or 70 new bikes. Oh, at least. Yeah, he'd go away. And, and uh, in the latter part of his lifetime, lived around the area. And and uh, I think before, in the early stages of no pension or no dole or no... Uh, S- sustenance or whatever they used to call it and they yeah. if they didn't have uh, some sort of a job they'd live on rabbits and a bit of rape out of the paddock that they'd mm. have for well, vegetables. Well Curly did
2: for long between seasons there one time he didn't yeah. ever went away and he stopped and just caught a rabbit and, yeah. and uh, rabbit. but it Curly would be the, you, the cleanest man in a hut you could yeah. chuck your tucker on the floor and you could, you could pick it up all right there'd be no dirt there and he, he could get as drunk as drunk every night of the week Fall over in the mud, but he came out shining like a shilling next morning.
3: And the incredible part about it was that I, I don't know how, he, he, no matter how burst he was, he always knew who everybody was. Yes, you know, yeah. He'd see me father one, possibly once every three months and always knew who he was Right yeah. off. Mm.
2: No matter how burst he was, it was incredible. Like he was here and he'd, he always, a drink on his own, but, uh, and he, he'd always put a note over. Now Curly, you've got. Change in your pocket. No, 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 no. So, what you'd do, we had a, a uh, tin behind the bar, and you'd just put everything in until he run out of money, see? Uh, because he always had plenty of money. Well, he did, he got bashed up over his money um, in later years, but that's. Uh, and uh, then he'd come down the next morning, oh, I think I might have some money. Yes, girl, here you are. Yeah, away you go again. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was a. Uh, uh, looked after himself pretty well, yeah. There was two larrikins from
3: here that used to come around. One that I spoke about, Roy James before was in the shed down there, and a bloke called Jack Welds. And uh, they were very well-to-do people from around the Mordialic area, where their parents were, their people were. And uh, they were always fighting between themselves or fighting with whoever else would fight. And I remember one night here, Lionel Hockley was here and... Jack Wells wanted to fight right or wrong. Hockley said to him, look, Jack, he said, I haven't got time to fight now, but he said, I will in the half an hour. He said, you go outside and wait for me. And if I don't come out in 10 minutes, start without me. <laughs> and so as he went outside, he closed the door behind him and that was it. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Like years and years ago, I don't know who the characters were, but the wet so they'll be always here. And uh, one bloke was sitting in the corner, not saying boo. There was a bit of an argument started up. And uh, anyhow, this bloke went over and he just gave me a slap in the ear. She said, well, what was that for? She said, never said a word. No, he said, but you were thinking a bloody lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about the various publicans over the years here?
2: Well, we were talking about them yesterday. Well, yes, I don't know how far back we can go. Um,
3: there was Cummings. Ham owned the pub initially, a yeah. bloke called Ham. Was he a Jew or
2: was he? Oh, I think he was. He never ever, wasn't public, and he only owned the building.
3: Yeah. Mac- uh, McMenamin's owned it first. Pat McMenamin's. We'll go hey. back beyond that. Bill O'Connell's people yeah. uh, owned it initially. Morris O'Connell, right. and that's why it was called the Clare Morris Hotel because it was Morris O'Connell from County Clare. But well, there you go. That's how that started all. Oh,
1: so the, this would be. What year, roughly? Oh,
3: well, the year dot. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it just
1: a 150-year anniversary, so wouldn't it be around 1850? That's
3: right, but there was another hotel on the other side of the road. Right. Initially, I think it oh. was the Pig and Whistle. I'm not sure now.
2: No, I think the Pig and Whistle was down there in... And ch- and, uh, so I remember yeah. you telling me that, yeah. I think that was right. I don't know. But, but there's no records, of course, no. of anything like but that. There but was uh, alcohol
3: houses, beer what shall we call them, bloody bars or
2: whatever mm. you like to have them. Wine mm. shanties yeah. and that sort of thing. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, they weren't sort of hotels as we know them today. No. Um,
3: but, yeah. um, then um, the the early stage, about the first stage I can remember was Roy Cummins. Mm. That was when we were going to school. He to give us the bloody cigars. We won't, won't forget <laughs> him and uh, And then there was... Um, Keith Seacombe. Claude Flight. Claude Flight.
2: Um, Norm Downs, was it Downs that quick? Uh, no, there was somebody in before. No, yeah, but Downs was here. Oh, yeah. The
3: bloody painter was there for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. Um, his name? The bloke that was, he was painting yeah. the pub and he took over the pub while the other bloke walked out, I think. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, he did, he painted our house. Flight, uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Flight was the one that walked out and
3: left. I the, think, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Then there was Norm Downs.
2: Norm Downs, yeah.
1: What year were we up to, roughly?
3: Oh, now you're
2: putting <laughs> asses yeah. on us. Norm Downs
3: would have been here when I was about 25, I suppose, between 22 and 25. Hockley was in it twice. Hockley sold out the first time too.
2: Yeah, I think they still owned the building. They sold the licence. Yeah. Hockley's
3: that, yeah, wife that... initially owned it. It was the second last uh, licensee at the Fern Hill Hotel. She was, mm. she was Nell Dixie and they had that, that um, hotel down there at she was the second last licensee there. Jack Green was the last, wasn't he? I
2: think he was, yeah, at the um, at Fernhill.
3: Who who did flight sell out to?
2: Yeah, oh, the, Marnie? Oh, Marnie, yeah, no, was he before?
3: He might have been a bit before. And it was O'Brien's? Yeah, O'Brien's catering started here. They had the pub for a little while and then they, they had, while they had the pub, they got the license and went on to be O'Brien's catering. Hockley Hockley come here from, maybe Myersdale. Myersdale, uh, yeah. And uh, he was here for quite some time. He and his mum and dad were here. And uh, after a while, he sold out to a bloke called Noel Nielsen. And uh, they lived in the, put the house there next door. And that was uh, in the little house where uh, Roy's are living now. Then they shifted to Trentham. Took on the Trenton pub. Took on the Trenton pub. I don't know whether it was uh, in a managerial basis or what, but he put an ad in the local paper and uh, it had Lionel Hockley, formerly of the pig and whistle. Well, (laughs) that didn't impress the public that was here very much. So he put an ad in the next paper. Drink at the pig, not with the pig.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nielsen was, we uh, went to a McCain's dinner with John. I don't know whether you were with us or not. Anyhow, John picked us up here and uh, my nephew was with me at the time and he had a little ute so we brought it here and left it here. So we got back at I know, 1 o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was. And Paul said, I'll put a stone on the roof. He said, no, you'll wake the kids up, don't do that. So and the Ute was just out the front here and we get in it and put in again bzzz, oh, that mongrel, he said. So what he'd done, he jacked up and he put a bluestone block underneath it, just one wheel off the ground. So what we'd done, we'd been feeding the cows out of the back and there's plenty of string in the back. So we got it and tied it to the doorknob. So when he opened the door of a morning, in come this big stone. Anyhow, next thing he said, Oh, you didn't catch me, should I come out the front door? Well, our coming there's a dent in the door. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, our kids and 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 the Nielsens all grew up together. And we were down here one New Year's Eve, and uh, we had a meal, and the power went off. So they had candles on the table and whatever you. Anyhow, the kids had the music on, they started dancing because they pulled the boots off. So Noel went and got some nails and he nailed the kids' boots to the floor. Because so, when they went again, they couldn't pick them up, could they? So Jenny, their eldest, she said, we'll fix the old bugger. So they went around and they sealed up every, they never picked up the salt and pepper shakers. And they sealed up every one. Even today, you come down in the salt one shake that
1: bloody Jenny Nelson. <laughs> there was a story about you walking
2: home from here one night. Oh yeah, we're down here, mate from Coynton. Uh, Mark Watson, he had this Get Fit campaign. So we, on Sunday afternoon, we come down and the uh, women, they went home in the car. And Mark said, we'll walk home. So we got a couple of cans each and, and we're walking up the road. And, and uh, it was getting a bit dark by this stage. The cars would coming along. said, so these cars are starting to get a bit close. Anyhow, we should just step off on the side of the road, let them go past. And uh, anyhow, we got about three parts of the way home. Of course, we had to have a pit stop drinking all this lolly water. And anyhow, Mark said, well, oh, there goes the local coppers. I said, well, I suppose, they know where they're going. It's no good asking us anyhow, we wouldn't know. So when we got home and there was a girl living there, with a couple of kids just over on her own, just over the road. And uh, anyhow, uh, we just got inside and the phone rang and Anne answered the phone and it was Lisa. <coughs> she said, I'll take your keys out of everything over there. The police were just here. She's a couple of suspicious looking characters walking up the road. <laughs> and, of course, you could hear Lisa laughing from Coynton. and said, it's Dad and Mark. All oh, right. So Al Dicko, he was the deputy. They, this policeman was in there at the time. He was leaving. And he was up at Dicko's shed getting a bit of lolly water into him. So anyhow, he got the call to come out and check it out. So Al and Rob had to come too. I was talking to Al next day, and he, says, that, he said, that'll be Patty and Mark. He so said, that was you the other night? And I said, yeah, you buddy, and you run over us. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, I thought it was. He said, I'll go back and tell him. Anyhow, he came come out to Lisa and he said, look, don't worry about last night. He said, I found out. He said, just a couple of old spud diggers walking home from the pub, Albie and Vinny." but he never told us which one's Albie and which one's Vinny. So we can't go by that name. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's only a few years ago. Right, but... Um, I know, there's been a lot of stories around this place here.
3: One of the things that you, I suppose, when you think back of the, of the logging days, when there were carton logs and that on, I suppose, in, in the timber trucks, there was nothing, They were carton logs on those army blitz trucks, whether they were Fords or Chevys or what they were. But they were only two and a half tonne trucks those, and fellows were driving them out the bush carrying 14, 15, 20 tonne on them, no brakes. The only thing that slowed them down was the potholes. Well, talking about
2: them blitz trucks, Lee McCarty, Louie, had one downward end. And uh, Roger Keyes, and they were carting from down the highway. Well, the highway wasn't near as busy as it is now. But anyway, they're coming in this evening and Louie's blitz bloke broke down. It's half in the middle of the road. And Roger said, well, I'll go and unload mine. I'll come back and I'll tie you in. No, oh, he said, it's pub time, it. He said, you can stop there tomorrow. He said, you can't leave it there. He said, I'm sure it'll be still here tomorrow. Yeah. And he went to the pub and left us sitting there half on the road and half off it.
3: <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, they were amazing.
1: Well, I, I think for a first run we've done pretty well. Fair enough, um, yep. I don't know how long we've been going. We call it quits there for That'll now. Leave. That's fine, yeah. yep. There's a lot in there.
0: You have been listening to stories from within the archives. I'm Rosie Hill and this is Archive Treasures. If you would like to hear further episodes, you can find our podcasts on our website, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and the Podbean app. Archive Treasures is produced by the Trentham and Districts Historical Society. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to hs at trentham.org.au or go to our Facebook page, Trentham and Districts Historical Society, Australia. I hope you can tune in next time for more Archive Treasures.